Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. You start it. I, I do. Yeah, you I'm push the guy the who turns play on button. the button. You're the only one <laughs> that knows how to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, without you, we don't know how to record a podcast. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Way to go, tech CEOs. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Welcome. Here we are. Legacy Matters. Yes. Legacy Thanks Matters for podcast. tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's Wednesday so, morning. We should introduce ourselves. Jim. Jim, Sarah. And I'm Sam again. Sam. Still, yep. still the Sam same person. Again. Yeah, Wednesday morning, November. Nice snowfall right now. It is. It's really doing it out there. It's really pretty. Yeah, it looks very Minnesotan. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, A little early for winter, a little early for the cold, but we say that every year. I know. I mean, the uh, Halloween blizzard. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) do my tongue. (laughs) Halloween blizzard of 1993. That was. You know, October thirty first, nineteen ninety one, was it? Yeah, oh. I got corrected. See, uh, that's another an thing. Here. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. another thing we uh, we forgot to tell our guests, and we'll introduce our guests here shortly. But uh, we don't deal in full truths here. We try, but we're, <laughs> we're often a little off. I make things up. I uh, mispronounce everything pretty much. It's true. Yeah, you yeah. have a. But it's very endearing. Yeah, it well, is. I mean, we we still like you. Thanks, guys. Um, so anyway, uh, yes, it's mid-fall. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Yep. Uh, we always the say comments. the same thing at the beginning. Yep. yep. What can we thank them for this time? Oh, thanks for sharing us. We've, yeah. We oh, found it. Right. Yeah, we, we, didn't we learn last night that someone has recommended us on Facebook? Yeah, and we, we so we're getting this uh, this kind of like, hey, everybody, I've run out of podcasts to listen to any recommendations and people are putting legacy matters on there yeah, that's like cool. like we're kind of something all of a sudden um, who knew? that's we're weird are <laughs> lawyers like us yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> that's cuz Claire's such a nice person <laughs> all right let's let's introduce our guest shall we uh, today we have Chris Coleman uh, former mayor of St. Paul and probably someone who's done other things beyond that but that is what you get you're known for these days, right? That was kind of it. That was it? Yeah. <laughs> no other real, real accomplishments. One, one and done. You know, I Welcome, I'd Chris. Start at the top and fall from there. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, you were at the top for quite a while. 12 years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they allow that in uh, mayoralship? Was that more than two terms? Uh, three terms. Yeah. And um, if I had run for another term, assuming that I, uh, I would have won, uh, I would have been the longest serving mayor in the history of the city of St. Paul, and I just didn't want to be that person. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, you you already had enough recognition yeah, 12, and notoriety. Know, 12, years is, yeah. <laughs> 12 years is a long time. 12 years is a long time. In in uh, in dog years, it's like 76 or something. It's, that's, oh, that's true. Yeah. I guess political years. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually only 27, and I just look like I'm... <laughs> Well, you've aged really poorly. I gotta say. No, it's terrible. I know it's terrible. Usually, I uh, say the opposite, but no. in this case, I'm, I'm like uh, Benjamin Button, except for I never got younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just came out old, and <laughs> it just stuck. stayed. It, it just, just stayed, stayed. kind of old. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like know. I kept on waiting. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good, and yeah. it just wasn't. 
I don't know what to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> don't get into politics. Look, look oh, what you know. Does it age a person? That's it does. Is it yeah. is it stressful? Yeah. Like I think it would be. Uh, extreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is extremely stressful. Yeah. Um, not always. Only like twenty hours a day. Right. Um, but it's just it, you know it's it you're going all the time. Um, you can never quite get away from it. Um, one of my like I was I was out in Glacier National Park. Uh, we are camped in Two Medicine Valley. And at like 7.30 in the morning, there's a knock on my tent. Now, that's <laughs> like, you know, you're in Glacier, so you're kind of waiting for a bear to come ripping sure. through and eat you. But um, like, somebody's knocking at the tent. And I'm like, what is, what's this? And they're like, hi, is there Chris Coleman in the tent? Uh, this is Ranger Rick. And uh, <laughs> a, a bridge or something collapsed. Oh, and, oh my goodness. Like, oh. So, you know, two hours later, I'm out in Great Falls. My wife is dropping me off at the airport, and she's oh, got to wow. drive the kids back from Montana. And I'm on a plane to, to kind of deal with the St. Paul side of the, of the bridge collapse. And it was, yeah. Um, so, just as an example of like, you can never quite no, get away on. from it. Yeah. And I think about that every time I drive over that bridge. I can't, can't help it. What a, yeah. Yeah. Odd that tragedy was, that was. Yeah. But that was a tragedy. Well, yeah. That was awful. Uh, just right. ama- I mean, just amazing. Could have been a lot worse too. Yeah, and it's heroics that prevented that bus from of kids from mm-hmm. plummeting and yeah, uh, just a uh, wow. That's a day you don't forget. Mm. No, no. no but no. but that you know, there you are in the middle of nowhere in your tent, and you're right. Yeah, so you yeah. never quite get a day off or anything. I uh, I'm going to jump in on that story. Yeah. I. I guided canoe trips for a long time with a boys camp and I, I was not mayor of anything. So my life, no one's trying to find me when I'm gone for three weeks. <laughs> They're like, where's Sam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on a, on a, uh, long trip up into the subarctic, uh, we, I'm what, two and a half weeks into a three week trip. We're in the middle of absolute nowhere. And I hear something off in the distance as we're paddling and it's a helicopter. And, and so you got to think to yourself, like, there's absolutely no reason that a helicopter mm. should be, I, I, there's not even a town within several hundred miles. So how did they get here? So uh, the other counselor and I looked at each other, like, my assumption immediately was that someone important in someone's life, because these are mm. affluent kids, mm-hmm. some either one, you know, my wife or a kid or one of their parents died and they had to send someone out to communicate with us and so it landed we paddled up to it and extremely nervous the whole time and uh they got out and they're like hey everybody we're just doing a survey of the river checking checking canoes like oh my god you guys have no idea right. how much you Panic. terrified me yeah, yeah we right we're gonna, yeah yes. it just reminded me of that oh. i haven't thought of that one in a long time so do you do a lot of camping i do i actually have been flown off a trail have you yes mm. i uh, wrecked my ankle up in the quetical i did i was a. Uh, outward bound um and uh yeah we could how old were you it was my high school graduation present okay was 25 days in the boundary waters i don't know what that really said uh you know like my parents are like yeah chris here 25 days days in the woods go uh, camp (laughs) really are you sure you don't want to do the six month trip (laughs) read canoeing with the cree chris you'll love it that's right come on follow follow eric's trail (laughs) uh no that 
<laughs> so yeah, camping has been a, a huge part of our, our kids growing up. And, you know, basically we would take them out and we'd do a four or five day backpacking trip where they would, you know, mostly complain about it for, you know, so four or five days. So they're hauling their stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right. And, uh, really- but now they're experts and, you know, now they're the ones that bring their friends out and, you know, both of the, I worked in Glacier when I was a kid and in the Tetons and, and both my kids have worked in Glacier. And so it's okay. kind of a family, family tradition. Do you remember much of the Quetico? Do you remember much of that trip? Uh, yeah, I remember it, even though it was many moons ago. Um, <laughs> it wasn't amazing. I mean, it, you know, I thought Outward Bound was like, uh, you know, I suppose most people don't remember who Ewell Gibbons is, but when I was a kid, there was this dude that was selling grape nuts by telling you that, you know, did you ever eat a pine tree? You know, and, and so I thought I was going to learn how to eat pine trees or something. <laughs> right. Uh, and actually, I, what I always said was Outward Bound wasn't a wilderness survival pro- program. It was an urban survival program mm-hmm. that took place in the wilderness because it was all about, like, how do you get along with people? How do you mm-hmm. cooperate? Oh, yeah, totally. how, do you, mm-hmm. how do you take a group of people that you would have nothing to do with in any other aspect of your life, um, but you were dependent upon this person to hold the rope as you were you know, descending off a palisade head and yeah. over Lake Superior or something like that? So um, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. How many kids on the trip? Or young adults, I should say. At that well, I mean, the, any one time, uh, they'll have... You know, several hundred people, but you divide into groups of like twelve or something like that. Right. So mm-hmm. your cohort is is twelve people, and they were, I mean, like literally, some of the folks I was had been sentenced to outward. You know, it was my high school graduation <laughs> present, and other kids had been does, sentenced to outward. Bound. It does say a lot about <laughs> like, what your parents thought of you. <laughs> no. it, it's that phrase: "Go take a hike," right? Yeah. Go, take, go a, take a hike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was watching a George Carlin thing last night, uh, where he's talking about all the weird phrases in in the English language, uh-huh. and uh, that would have been one of them. Go take a hike. Does anybody actually ever follow that advice? Oh, sure. Go take a hike. Yeah. Okay, let me get my shoes on. I think I'll go now. <laughs> Piece of cake. Where is the cake? I don't know what's wrong. What's wrong with pie? <laughs> George Classic Carlin, ladies George. and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. George Carlin. Funny so guy. you grew up here in Minnesota. I did. Yep. Born and raised in St. Paul. Mm. Okay. Lived are you waiting for it? Were you waiting for a St. Paul joke? No, I know they're coming. <laughs> yeah, I know they're coming for all of you who don't really appreciate the finer things in life. <laughs> oh, we're beggars, so we're better. <laughs> I love it. Uh, born and raised, though, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, uh, you know, it's kind of, I, I actually, I always said, it's not that I didn't, wasn't interested in living other places. I just never had a reason to. So I don't know if that what that says about me. Yeah, I've I've lived a few other places and managed to always come, find my way back yeah. here because I love it. Yeah, yeah. Same it's, same with me. I've ventured out a little bit, but I find my way back home here. I love it here. Actually, Minnesota's great. Oh, we can't. Tell I know people that's that. our that's oh. our joke. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't tell people. We don't that. want more people. To oh, it's move terrible. Here it's, it's, that is true. You, you yeah. know, it's actually it is. I'm, I'm looking at. At the weather out there, don't come. It's really <laughs> awful. It, it's a winter wonderland. It's like today. telling people about your favorite hole in the wall bar or something, right. you know? Yeah. You don't want you know, to you, Like right you away. ruined it. Yeah. Your favorite uh-huh. deserted island. Oh, it's not deserted anymore. What mm-hmm. happened? My uh, my father is uh, still pissed at Ron Shera for exposing one of our favorite little lakes. Oh, yeah. When, you know, this was 20, 30 years ago, he wrote an article about, you know, 10. 
Are you going to say the I, I know. Are you going to say No, it? of <laughs> course I'm not going to say it. But 10, 10 hidden gems that no one will ever find, no, except no. now I put them in the paper and right. everybody knows exactly. where they are now. So Right. I always, I, I always thought the, the irony of those articles, you know, the, the best kept secrets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm yelling about <laughs> Really appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your favorite places in St. Paul? Uh, depends on what, what, you know, what, what, what are activity? we talking about? Are we talking so, about like... Yeah, restaurants. Just, um, landmarks. What not? <laughs> you can tell we don't landmarks. rehearse. Or, no, no, it's well studied, I can tell. Just, yeah. But, <laughs> oh, I think I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> oh, no. Chris. So St. Paul is a town of uh, 310,000 people across the river. It's really mm. close. So, no, actually, it's not across the river, as we were talking about right. earlier. That's right. That's true. You are side. located on the St. Paul side of the Mississippi River. That's right. Um, I love So my wife and I um, raised our kids on the west side, mm-hmm. which is the south part of St. Paul, mm-hmm. just to be clearly confusing. Um, and we have this like little piece of heaven because I walk out across the street um, we're in we're on the bluff and I can walk down the bluff line and sit and look out over the Mississippi River and um, you know you can see everything you can see out to you know the skyline of Minneapolis you can see the dome of the Capitol and the cathedral and then uh, a riverboat will go up you know a paddle boat will go up the river and you think god I feel like I'm back with you know Huck Finn mm-hmm. and Tom Sawyer yeah. and, um, so just from a you know, from a natural standpoint, I love that aspect. I, I you know, I go out and it's like, I, I, you know, just just to make sure that people who aren't from here think that we are totally in the sticks. You know, I walk out and there's like fox in my front yard, yeah. and deer and eagles flying and and all that. And yet I'm five Crazy. minutes from downtown yeah. and you know yeah. all the stuff that's it is really that. gorgeous. Over yeah, there. it's incredible. I yeah. mean, it's just amazing. I have um, a quick question: since you were mayor of St. Paul. We brought this up now several, but you must know about those paddle boats. And which aspect of them? I, my, I always assume, right? Because paddle boat technology is, you know, from like you say, Huck Finn era, mm-hmm. way back when. So I always assume that there's a paddle, mm-hmm. and and that that is is driven by the water coming by, and that there's a that they've long ago put a put, an engine, put a prop. A prop <laughs> Uh, so the the actual truth is some do and some don't. Oh, really? So there some are true paddle boats and some are fake paddle boats. Okay, so some do function as where, as where the they're, real thing. they're, they're, they're real, being propelled by that paddle. Going yeah, on. I think the Jonathan Paddleford is is an actual paddle boat, um, oh. and then some of the other ones are not. Okay, but that's an interesting. You know, I mean that was like started by a guy um, who, you know. Jump. He was a parachute jumper on D-Day in World War II, and you know, just a fascinating guy, a guy named Bill Bowles. Um, and he just was a river rat, and he's like, "I'm going to start a paddleboat company." When nobody, you know, the river back, they were, you know, then was just this, you know, the sewer, and right, you know, that's right. where you put yeah. your industrial uses and all that stuff. Sure. And, and then all of a sudden, people got this crazy idea: oh, we have like the Mississippi River running through our front yard. This is this could possibly be an asset. Maybe we should, maybe we should think about this in a different light. Uh, maybe we should actually have people like walking along it and hiking along it. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of that. In some ways, that was the beginning of the revitalization of the riverfront. Was this guy with a crazy idea to have paddle boats? That's awesome. I yeah. I hunt on yeah. some islands down by Hastings. Uh, there's a 
a lot of duck hunters down there, but I deer hunt down there as well, and it's just a. I thought that's one of your secrets, though. Uh, Secret yeah. The, the thing oh. about that, it is, it is kind of a hidden gem, a little secret. But the thing about it is that that accessing it is so incredibly difficult. Like I have a tiny little boat, mm-hmm. and you know, just getting out there is mm-hmm. the barrier, enough of a barrier to entry. Right. But it, like people don't understand how cool that is. I I have a. Um, a bike route that I do that goes down to um, Great Cloud Island, and you come around on one of those sweeps, yeah. and uh, it's one of the most majestic views that you'll ever see. Yeah, you can't you see no no signs of any kind of society or industrialization or anything. You just see these beautiful beautiful shorelines of the mm-hmm. of the Mississippi River, um, and so you know whether you access it via boat or or bike or however you should. Yeah, check. I mean. You it know, really is gorgeous. It, it really we always, is. We always say, and this is true, like, um, I was mayor before I ever took a tour of the cathedral. <laughs> right. And, like, I've lived and gone into that building that my dad was buried out of it. And I'm like, you know, if I was in Europe, what would I do? Right. I'd go take a tour of the cathedral. And it was some, we had some friends of my brothers from Dublin were in town. I, like, called up the the uh, um, rector of the cathedral. I'm like, hey, can we get a tour He's like, sure, when? I said, how about Friday? He goes, what time on Friday? And I'm like, I don't know, noon. He's like, what could we do it at three? I'm like, noon. Oh, it's Good Friday. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose we could wait till after service. <laughs> so, Chris, when Anyway, you- my point was oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is we don't even take advantage of what's in our own backyard. Yes. Like, we would go, we would go to Europe to travel to yeah. see the, something as beautiful as as that part of the Mississippi. Uh, and most people in the Twin Cities have never, ever experienced it. Yeah. Right. And and uh, I forget. What I was going to say is I love those islands. It's great. But uh, when I'm walking around on them, there is a lot of plastic trash oh, that yeah, washes like that. through in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so if you're out there and you see a, a Mountain Dew bottle on the street, it's, always it's the going Mountain there. Dew. We talk right. about this all I know. the time. That's the Cigarette number one butts. bottle. If you want to be disgusted, be out on the river after a rainfall. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tens of thousands of cigarette butts mm-hmm. flown out of the, uh, you know, it's like, so you walk, you know, you pull up to a stoplight, you ever seen it? And somebody opens up their door and empties God, their that's old timey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, seriously, mm-hmm. dude, mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what is your problem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's disgusting. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, so obviously this is a question, Chris. I mean, like when you were a kid, did you kind of fantasize about being mayor? St. <laughs> Paul. This is why my parents sent me away. Yeah. I mean, were you like no. me? Were you holding court at home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Around the dinner table? Uh, well, when I grew did up, you start thinking? So about I grew up in a political family. My yeah. dad was um, elected to the state senate when I was a year old. And so growing up, that was kind of what I knew. He was the majority leader of the state senate from 72 to 80. And, you know, so I always kind of politics was kind of the family business in some way. So I always thought there was a political something in my future um, because it was always what interested me the most, uh, but never thought of it from like being a mayor and that never, never occurred to but me. But you have, you have how many siblings? Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. the old family, you don't remember anymore. Yeah, it's right? an Irish family. I don't, do, we don't <laughs> I lost track. After a while. <laughs> there's, there's the ones that I have and the ones I admit to. So that's <laughs> right, yep. two different numbers. Yep. <laughs> no, we, uh, we had, there were seven kids in the family and, and have any of the rest of them been mayor? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. No, because Norm Coleman is not a relative, so he he was a mayor, but not 
not one of the, right. not one of my clan. Right. But um, so you grew up in a political family, but did anyone else get into no, politics? No, I was to say I was I was the only my my older brother who's the historian uh, in the family. He said the thing about you is um uh you were old enough to kind of understand what was going on, but not old enough to know how bad it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they were, you know, they were like my two oldest brothers were, you know, 10, you know, 10 and 12 years older than me. And so they remembered it like when my dad wasn't in politics and he was actually home at night and, you know, sure, right. taking him to things. And, and then he got into politics and that kind of all ended. And But that's all I knew growing up. So they're like, yeah, you, you just didn't realize how. So now, that's I, sort of so weird. I tortured my children with, you know, with that same. Were yeah. you like class president or any of that stuff in, <laughs> oh, God, no. in high school? No, no, I was like. <laughs> I was not. Not not inclined. No, I was not. I was not in the cool kids club. Mm. Mm. Were you a good student? No, really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, who would admit to it anyway? Like my older brother is really smart, and he was the best student in the school. You know, he's the only type of person who admits to that stuff. Yeah, my oldest brother was like uh, salutarian or something like that. Yeah, Uh it kind of went downhill after that. Yeah, Uh, I grew up like. I, every once in a while, I think about this. I I grew up in like the generation that absolutely had no reason for, you know, no cause, no, you know, like so, so pre-Vietnam War era or post. Oh, so I so I started high school like four months after the Vietnam War ended. Mm-hmm. I went to a, you know Cretan High School, which was an all boys military yep. school at the time, and all my older brothers had been protesting the war, or particularly. Um, uh, you know, so I had one brother graduate in '68, so at the height of the, mm-hmm. the war, mm-hmm. and he was he was all gung ho on the on the until he got out and then went to the U of M and and then uh, but kind of successive. So they had kind of like this reason, this cause, and mm-hmm. and like you know, what I had Jimmy Carter, <laughs> who I love dearly and is a great American and a great yeah. hero, but it was like you know he he described his his like big downfall was he talked about the country being in a malaise, mm-hmm. and it was like yep. Pretty much, we are. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was like it was the most boring time that you could possibly have gone to high school, right? Huh? Just sort of worn out. Yeah, it was like they were tired, I, but you I, know, yeah. Like, I mean, there was no summer of love in 1978. There was like, you yeah, had but good music. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder wrote a song about defending <laughs> against against the 70s. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if he wrote it. He sang it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so what was he talking about? What were we trying to defend against? Like. Because he makes it sound Malays. like this. We were fighting, we were fighting the boredom. The, we were fighting the boredom whoredom. It's like, you know, this is. But I hear, the, I hear these stories about the 70s. They had a 70s show. They had a whole show mm-hmm. about how great the mm-hmm. 70s were. No, it wasn't about how great it was. It was, like, <laughs> it was just <laughs> about, yeah, the, in that show, they were just hanging out in someone's basement. In like literally outside yeah. of Bruce Springsteen, nothing happened in the 70s. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was all, it, <laughs> that was it, huh? That was Bruce yeah, born to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after that was all. Was uh, Joni Mitchell? Was she? No, she was well, before her, that. All her best stuff was in the late '60s. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you really kind of think of the '60s as ending in like '72 or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, it was just like eh. energy okay. crisis. Oh yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> 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 the, the defining terms of my youth were malaise and energy crisis. <laughs> Sounds Which are like, strangely connected. Right? I, mean, I know. I'm trying yeah. to think of what else. Uh, well, but at the same the time, 70s. you're you're I'm, still thinking about. You know, yeah. you're in the political. Well, family, I was born so in the 70s, so I wanted. Sorry, a political <laughs> career. Though. You're thinking about 
hey. Yeah, well, great. At some point. Yeah, because I know I grew up thinking you actually can do stuff. You can actually, you know, help improve people's lives. You can, you know, this is... This help, was, help make you know, people aware of St. Paul. Help make people aware of St. Paul. Make St. <laughs> Paul cool again. Oh, I should you have don't hats. really want to be cool. You want it to be the no. quiet little gem it is, right? It's a pretty cool place. I, I love St. Paul. Actually. It's, really, it's, yeah. it's great over Let's there. Stop dissing on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> stop begging on it. We just saw, we were talking about St. Paul yesterday. We saw Jarrett, the, who owns 331 in Amsterdam. Yep. Yeah. And I love Amsterdam. I love it. It's just a little gem of a. Well, that was one of our place. big projects was getting them to to come in because mm-hmm. that was I like I, um, I love the three three one. And we're like, we never see you there. We're I'm there always there. <laughs> I'm the guy in sunglasses and the, okay. the in the corner the, the, booth, the, the like... skinny brim hat and <laughs> in the corner booth, <laughs> the fake mustache with, with with a grain belt premium. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh my god! Oh these god. are some. They call me Dirk up there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Welcome that here. is a that is a fun little spot. It That's is. Our favorite. It is just down the street. So we we. But the Amsterdam is a. Uh, Jarrett was talking yesterday. They do the moth um, podcast radio. there. Yep. Radio, radio. A lot of public yeah. radio yeah. stuff. Yeah. A lot of been, public radio stuff. Good the, concerts. Yep. I've been to the moth there. And, Have you? Okay. Um, and so we, you know, my my phrase was always like, I don't need St. Paul to be the New York of the Midwest. I'd kind of like to, to be the the Greenwich Village. That's perfect. Of the Twin Cities, yep. you know, yeah. and just kind of this, it's Cultural just a hang hub. place and, you know, cool, you know, kind the of palace a... palace, theater. So that was like 20 oh. years of my life to get that thing open. So you're was proud it? of, your, you should be proud of the oh work my God, that you've done. That's my, you know, I, I get to talk a lot about various things I've done from, you know, you know, Allianz Field, you know, the home of the, of the loons, CHS, you know, we got light rail built during my tenure. We just announced a deal for the Ford site redevelopment. That was, you know, twelve years of uh, yeah, a lot of preparing work. for that, mm-hmm. going into that. But like, if you ask me what my absolute favorite was, it's the palace because there were two people that believed in that project, and that was me and Joe Spencer, who was my arts and cultural director. Mm-hmm. And like, from the day I started as mayor in two thousand and six, I said, Joe, I don't know what we're going to do with that building, but we got to figure out something. Mm-hmm. A so way we, to save it, really, is the, a way to yeah. save it. Well, it wasn't even. It almost wasn't about saving it because it was a historic building. It was never going to go away. Okay. But it was like sitting there deteriorating, getting, you know, rotting from the inside out. And if you, ever, you know, stunk of mold and pigeon junk. And, yeah. And, and um, so my favorite story about that um, was, was when we did the uh, soft opening, kind of the preview for that. And if you've ever been to the palace, it's, I mean, it's, it's like not a full restoration. It is, it is, yeah, like it's, a, it's like a ruin. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and uh, and Magical. and Robert from the Olds was was there, and the Flaming Olds, and he he's like, you know, hey Mary, I know you don't really know me, but you know, like I, Robert, I know you, and he goes, you know, if I were you, I'd keep it just like this. And I go, yeah, Robert, we're done. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is right. And he goes, he goes, I play places all over the world. This is so cool, it and really it is. is. It's like it's the best place that right. you can see a show. Yeah, yeah I saw, I've been to a couple um, now, and I love it. Who yeah. did I? Massive Attack was there. They had to cancel their show, and then they just came a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh, just amazing! And it was the perfect, perfect venue atmosphere for that. For that and yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. special. Yeah, we had. Uh, um, I've seen a bunch of shows there, and I just everyone. You know, there's not a there's not a bad. And I got Wilco. You know, did three shows last year, and they're doing three shows coming up in around Thanksgiving. And yep. I mean, it's just it's like the perfect venue. 
So you can. Uh, so that's I just that was a project I I really mm. loved. Mm-hmm. Are you a musician? Musician. <laughs> um, I I do play a couple mm-hmm. of instruments. Um, I'm not sure. I've I've heard that you did. Chris Osborne get up teach on you? Stage? Is that how you <laughs> did he teach you guitar back in the eighties? So I actually didn't. I mean, Chris and I played a little bit together. Um, uh-huh. Because of Chris, I got to I got to play at the Turf Club with Craig Finn, which was like oh, pretty freaking cool. Wow. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, that was that cool. was yeah, that was yeah. Cool. I mean, that's like the ultimate Minnesotan. I think it Craig is. Finn, he's like so proud of St. Paul, oh, and yeah. Minnesota. No, yeah. was, if you're you know the show Mountain Stage from West Virginia, it's a two hour show every weekend, and he was on um, this last weekend, and you know he's singing about. St. Paul and Edina and yep. yeah. stuff. He just he, has, he hasn't lived in the Twin Cities in 20 years, but he's still all of a sudden he's still representing. Is that why he doesn't return my my Phone messages? Calls. Yeah, <laughs> he's busy. It's like I've been trying to get a hold of him. I have <laughs> actually. If I if Osgood can't get a hold of him, nobody's going to get a hold of him. All right, so, so you have jumped up on stage a few times. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, although the most surprising thing was so after the new standards they used to be at do their show their holiday show mm-hmm. in St. Paul mm-hmm. and then they needed a bigger venue so they came over and started doing it over at the state mm-hmm. and the first year they came over um, uh, I we I got to do the show but people were like so surprised because uh, Chan introduced me and says well you know we we promised the mayor he could play, and but we told him he had to wear a dress if he was going to. Were you the Christmas tree or one of those? Uh? No, no. <laughs> we, I, uh, one of my instruments is the bagpipes. Oh, oh, and no shit. so we, uh, so me and three buddies played on a Fairy Tale in New York. We did the the bagpipe. Okay, but like I walked out on stage and people thought it was a joke. They're like, they didn't think it was you or you. Well, they you knew it was know. me, but they didn't think like. That you could that play. I could actually play the bagpipes, and then we start playing, and they're like, you could just see like the the faces on the audience going, <laughs> "Holy shit! Wow!" Yeah, so I I hope this isn't a rude question, but it probably is. is that, <laughs> you know, if you have to ask that, yeah, in yeah, the beginning, the well, I don't mean to offend you, you horse's ass. <laughs> right, you may want to. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. No, I, yeah, I, I intended to start it off that way. Yeah. Um, Jim and I are like cringing. We're like, yeah, <laughs> they, they do that often <laughs> every day. Being, being, I know so little about music. Is there a difference between a like a novice bagpipe player and a and a really good bagpipe player? Because it all kind of sounds the same to me. So. The, the reason it sounds the same is because you probably have heard people that suck. <laughs> there you go. And um, it's pretty awful. Yeah. Like, like. I mean, that is one noisy instrument. It is a noisy instrument, as my wife always says. Not an indoor instrument. <laughs> nah. You're so gonna have to build a special place for you to play that. Play. Do you know how to play far, far away? <laughs> no, I've never worked. Well. Walk, take a hike, take a hike. take your hike. instrument with you. Uh, which actually, the reason I started playing guitar was because when I was elected mayor, it was kind of really hard to come home at 10 o'clock at night and fire up the pipes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to have to come up with something else. So I didn't start playing guitar until I was um, uh, in my mid 40s. Oh, so that, huh. I'm in my mid 40s, so there's hope. There is hope. My, my brother, who's actually a professional musician, when I told him I was going to learn how to play the guitar, just laughed in my face. And it was like purely out of spite that I stuck with it. <laughs> Does he often just laugh in your face? Though? That's sort of like a thing you guys have. It, well, 
it's family. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Too. Yeah. Well, when did you start learning the bagpipes? When I was ten. Ten. Oh. But then I uh, went on a twenty-year hiatus. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was in my. Uh, <laughs> Like literally, these things. I, I've like moved these things around, you know, all the time. Every time I moved somewhere, and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna. So finally, in my 30s, I went like, I need to get back and start actually playing these things, and then start playing in a band. And um, so, was it a school thing that started, like with the bagpipes? Like no, at 10? no. <laughs> so family my, that said, is it, like, <laughs> is it a spiteful uncle or something that's like, hey, look what we got, your son? Like, because that's Earth. a pretty unique <laughs> instrument to give a ten-year-old. Right. So my, uh, well, it's even weirder because I requested it. <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> well, it, yeah, it wasn't you're right. forced on me, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so my my oldest brother uh, started hanging out at, a, at an Irish bar on Grand Avenue called McCafferty's, and then there was there were a couple of other places where they started kind of the Irish music scene started kind of um, taking picking off. up in the in the in the seventies, right? You know, yeah. And, and so after the bars closed, he'd bring everybody over to our house. And so we had like a Kaylee in our basement once a month. Uh, and there was one dude that played the pipes and I just went, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, oh, there I, you wanted, go. I want to learn how to do that. So, um, got bagpipes for my, I got, so I got, got sent away from my graduation present. I got bagpipes <laughs> for my 10th birthday. <laughs> it explains so much. Really. So here's the question. This conjures up in my head with bagpipes, but, uh, I think the first time I thought bagpipes were cool, it was an ACDC song. Yeah. And it was Bon Scott. Yeah. Ripping out. Yep. You got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's playing it. I mean, he's he's the front man, ACDC, ripping out the The bagpipes. So when I... I I mean, do you remember that? Yeah. Obviously. I, I can play that tune, yeah. It's, All right. Oh um, now we're talking. <laughs> but, so my my like my brother went to you know he went to Berkeley College of Music and he's a professional musician and and you know toured the world with uh, Judy Mowat you know from you know the I threes Bob Marley's backup mm-hmm. singers and um, and I like could go out and play a funeral and make more money than he could. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, like, it's such a specialized. Well, it is. You know, thing. it's like oh, we need a bagpiper for a funeral. Yeah. And like. First song costs you two fifty. The other ones are free. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't easy being a musician. We know this from oh, uh, all uh, the conversations we've yes. had. It's yes. a passion. So I, passion. when when canoeing, you, we've had this running game that we used to play as counselors. Like who who would you put in the middle of your canoe that that you did no work, but you just brought them along so they could sing songs and it was always mm-hmm. between like Seeger and Elton John and Billy Joel like people who you know would just sing tunes all day long because they probably know a bazillion of them right but I wonder if you'd like what kind of damage would you do yourself if you put a bagpipe nest in your <laughs> it's a little too unwieldy yeah. for I don't, th- I, I don't think you'd see a lot of nature <laughs> right is it the type of thing where you could sit there like because we're always picturing this person with a ukulele or a guitar yeah. or something yeah. right? well they have uh they have great parlor pipes so that you you can sit and play them and they're yeah. actually they are instru- indoor instruments they're kind of nice yeah uh, so you could conceivably do that but would i recognize the songs as you played them so we could sing along no there's there's no singing along the bagpipes i mean i suppose you could do like eight hours a day of amazing grace right 
well, with the new standards okay, you came so, out with. No, I got to tell you. Right? So, all right. So here's the here's this like crazy story. So I get a call that Martin Short is doing this fundraiser for this uh, benefit for some for some nonprofit, um, and they want me to. They need a bagpiper, so I'm like. Okay, this is cool. I'm one of three in the the region. There's lots of us. There's lots of us. I I did. Okay. I I have a lot of weird bagpiping stories, but I did open for Rod Stewart at the XL Energy. No. No. And at at the end of it, uh, he goes. And you're proud of the palace. He goes, I want want to thank Mayor Chris Coleman and his band for opening up for us. And everybody in the band turned to me and goes, your band? Who the made this your band <laughs> and I go I go Rod Stewart just did <laughs> so suck it <laughs> that is so cool what a dick he steals all the all the all glory all the glory God. anyway so wow. Martin Short's in town and and like this is like I get you know asked like four months ahead of time and time goes by and it's finally the week before I'm like I said to my assistant I go you know I haven't heard anything what's the story uh, with this Martin Short thing, and she all of a sudden starts backing up out of out of my reach because I always had a, a Louisville Slugger in my ah, uh, oh, behind yeah. my desk. You intimidated, yeah, I was people kind of with a, this stuff. Yeah, it was. Oh, well, that's what uh, they do in St. Paul. Old school, old school, old school. You know, she starts. I go, "What's what's the matter?" She goes, "Well, it's kind of a different deal." I go, "What's oh. what's the story?" <laughs> so what ended up happening was I, um, so. They introduce us, and Martin Short comes in from one side of the stage in a kilt, and I come in from the other side of the stage in a kilt, and uh, we meet at the stage, at center stage, bow to each other, turn to the audience. Martin Short jumps into my arms, sticks his thumb in my mouth, and starts wailing like a bagpipe. <laughs> oh my god! So, so I'm actually playing Martin Short on the stage. Were you worried and, about dropping him? So about so so we did this rehearsal, and I'm like, okay. he goes, he goes, well, here's the deal. That was great, but you know, when we're doing it, just really, I want you to get into it. I want you to just like really, you know, just be rocking this thing, blah blah. blah. So we're in front of like a thousand people. He jumps into my arms. I do this kind of big motion. And throw my back out. Oh, oh my god! And I am sitting there just in the, like oh, the worst god. pain. Oh. And I'm going, Don't drop Martin short. Right. Don't drop yeah. Martin just short. get through it. Don't just get through it. So. And and had he had you verified that he'd washed his thumb at that point? Was it in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you're, I, as you're holding him and your back's thrown out? I, I had a little. I had a little bottle of Listerine in my back. <laughs> Just to, you know, just to do just a quick rinse case. afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, I don't. You shake thousands of hands. I have no idea where that is about. Right. <laughs> so I'm assuming we can find all this stuff on YouTube. Does it exist? You can find the new standard show. Okay. Yep. Um, if you go to the current, uh-huh. um, the website for the current. What year it, was this? Um, it was probably like 14, 2014. Okay. Okay. If you, if you. Uh, if you Google, if you search on the current website mm-hmm. um, for Chris Coleman bagpipes, okay. it, it will show up. It, was, it was pretty fun. Okay. Awesome. We'll, we'll put a, we'll put it a link to it. High production values. Yeah, they they, they do nothing <laughs> other than high production. Values. We've Are got you, uh, Chan Chan's coming, coming in. in yeah. yeah, in Next December. Week. So we'll ask him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Next, only a couple yeah. of weeks now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. God, I forget December. Tell him I need some tickets to the show. We're hitting them up too. Yeah, you think we're going to get you tickets instead of us? 
You bought I've tickets? Bought my and to way cheap. to rub it in. Way to rub it in. <laughs> yeah. My sister is like obsessed, so she's You guys missed that uh, Mayor Coleman said he's too cheap to buy people's tickets. He expects free stuff. <laughs> oh, that's right. I want, <laughs> well, I couldn't mayor. take anything for free for a year, so now I'm like, yeah. now that people oh, can give it to right. me, they don't offer it to me. So this is a... sucks. They're used to you not ex- accepting, you know? I know. You so, ruined it. But they yeah. knew you couldn't accept, so it was oh, an easy thing. Like, oh, we'll I wouldn't have known. And they were like, yeah, we know you can't. please come on to my private jet and we'll go skiing in Colorado. We, uh, oh, I can't. Dang. We have a sticker for you. We have a sticker. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> hey, go ask someone who cares. <laughs> Here's a dime. Do people still call you mayor? Is it one of those, like, that's your just your title or for yeah. life? Uh, yeah. Mayor. Should um, we be Should we be calling respectful? you mayor? You could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I was like, no, not the mayor anymore. But I still call I, uh, I'm sure people former still Former mayor, fun. George Leitimer, was has always been a mentor to me and Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll call me up because uh, tall mayor. This is the short mayor. <laughs> but, well, actually, I'm the I, at the time I was the actual mayor. <laughs> Do you like to point that out? I did. I did. You know, I still have the job. Yeah, but that's okay. You, it's cool. Well, yeah. You quit. Uh, what do you think of this new mayor? Not you don't have to answer that in the, in while well, you're oh, you'll, no. you'll you'll do fine. I, I, love, I we, he just won't return my calls either. So. <laughs> Wow, I have a beef wow. with him because oh, self-serving. Wow. That's what happens here, by the way. <laughs> Melvin. Yeah. Come on in, Melvin. He's busy. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, you're they, busy. No, not really. I well. got I pretty much. As a matter of fact, I could do this all day. So I, I'll, I'll come back next week if you want. We get more bagpipe stories. He's got nothing going on anyway. Uh, on that silly little note, should we should we take a little yeah, break? Yeah, we'll take a quick. Yeah, break. I like it for editing purposes. Sure. So. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. We'll be back shortly. Okay. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the Andalin app, a first-of-its-kind digital legacy preservation app that allows you to digitally attach photos, videos, and audio recordings to the places and objects you love. Imagine hearing your grandmother's voice telling the stories of your family heirlooms. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin, available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what is not? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeler, servicing residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consultation. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit packsimply.com. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. His strong connections in the Minnesota art world give him a unique perspective on the talented pool of artists from our region. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit jamesholmberg.com to find out more. All right. Do you want to go on a wilderness adventure with me, Sam? Or maybe you know a group of kids who could benefit from an extended break from their electronics. Or maybe you just need a break from those kids. Visit earthedfound.org for more information about how to get started. For information about becoming a sponsor of Legacy Matters, please visit LegacyMattersPodcast.com. 
fresh cup of coffee. Fresh cup of coffee. Sarah's got her notebook out. I, I always just, take notes. You know that. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. Have you guys met? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Sarah, Sam. Yeah, I Sarah tell her that we a lot of notes. We picked her. It's like picking a lab partner in high school, wow. and, and you look over and you're like, "Well, that one's really smart." We'll get that one. She'll do all the work. So Jim and I don't do anything. Don't we do picked anything. her to do yeah. all the work. Do you see the person that has the computer? Well, I guess you have your little computer. Yeah, this we, is just for looks. Yeah, <laughs> the, these, neither of these are actually <laughs> functioning. He's, he's watching porn. <laughs> God. That's why you picked that seat. I know, I know. Oh, God, I don't even yep. want to think about it. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you just ruined my workspace. Uh, so we are back. Oh. With, yeah, we're back. Okay. All right. With uh, with yep. Chris Coleman. Thanks for coming. Just in. a guy these yep. days. We just want to point Mayor. that out. No, just well, just a guy. Mm. So Yeah, I do have a day job. Oh, you do? Yes, let's yeah. talk about yeah, your well, day job. I don't want to talk about it, but I, I, <laughs> I just, just in case you are, I do actually have a job. <laughs> a little logo here. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. For swag, for I always have to yeah. Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. 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 Which yes. is one of your things, isn't it? Uh, I am the president of Twin Cities Habitat and yep. um, been there for about 18 months just doing the Lord's work, building houses for people. That's really cool. Yeah. I that's mean, just, Like, you know, I, when I was mayor, we'd try to tackle all these problems and, you know, you'd be going like, oh, how do we get kids to do better in school and how do we help people, you know, do well in life and how do we help, you know, improve health outcomes for kids? And then I started with Habitat for Humanity. I'm like, oh. If we can get them to own their house, mm. then they yep. get all those things flow from that. Mm-hmm. They actually, kids do better in school, they're healthier, their parents do better. Um, they actually get to accumulate wealth. Mm. They actually right. get to, you know, for most of us, the only wealth we have is like, you know, either, either in our own home or money that we inherited when our, you know, parents, you know, yep. sold their house or whatever. And, um, you know, this, the history of this country, of course, is a history of discrimination and racism, and nowhere is that more apparent than in housing. And for uh, you know, a um, hundred years in the Twin Cities, you know, we think we're the bastion of liberalism and progressivism. We were as bad as any place in the country. Absolutely, uh, the redlining that occurred, preventing African American families. You know, so if you were a vet coming home from World War II, and you were white, like my dad, you got to buy a house on the GI Bill. If you were black and you served, you know, you you. You know, if you were over in Europe or in the South Pacific. Uh, you didn't get to access the GI Bill because banks wouldn't lend to you. No shit. No shit. Um, that's awful. I, I mean, I, I know that know these that. things were happening, yeah. but it, like, that's that's so a that, real clear from 1934 problem. to 1968. 98 percent of every FHA loan in this country was written for a white family. Right. And so, you know, it wasn't just in kind of I an see. accidental thing. Yeah. This was very intentional, and and so. Um, you know, across America, the average white family has about one hundred and seventy plus thousand dollars worth of, of assets, uh, assets, right. and the average uh, African American family has sixteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cities, so we were just out in Boston. That figure is two hundred fifty thousand for white families and eight dollars for black families. Oh, wow! And that's all. You know, that's the that just is a you know that is the equity in a home. It's the, the difference right. between having you know wealth that you can pass, and so then what happens? Uh, there's a woman named Kristen Delegard who's doing a thing called mapping prejudice. It just shows all these restrictive covenants on, and uh, redlining that happened in the Twin Cities. Um, you know, her parents 
her grandparents moved from Sweden over to South Minneapolis, bought a house, lived in it for 50 years. The house got sold, and the grandkids and the great-grandkids all got a chunk of money so they could go buy houses. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if your dad came back from World War II and you couldn't buy a house because he, he was redlined out of the you know out of buying a home, then you don't you don't have yeah. get the benefit of that, or your grandchildren or great-grandchildren. So, so this I mean this is one of the things. It's it's where we're just trying to figure out how we can. Move the needle because I think if we if we don't move the needle on home ownership, um, you know, less than one in four African American families in this in this state own their own home. Unless we change that statistic, all the work that we're doing on trying to change educational outcomes and mm-hmm. healthcare outcomes, right. et cetera, none of that stuff is is going to it's not going to move. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean it's true of just all people of color, you know, say African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, and I say that because it's, you know, obviously it's, it's true for native Americans and it's true, but you know, for the African-American families, it just, it's, it was so intentional. Yeah. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, just, um, and you know, again, I don't, I don't mean to say that it wasn't true for everybody, but, um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, um, you just, you're trying to you're trying to put a bandaid on it unless we unless we help families accumulate you know equity in the in, right. in the stake and in, in the community. Yeah. So growing up, you know, growing up in the '70s and '80s, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but like, I was taught in school that anyone could be anything they wanted to be. Like that was a, a very common theme. Like little girls, you can be president too someday. You know, they were just telling us. And when you're a kid. I'm not thinking about it critically. I'm I'm just saying teacher says all of us are equal and we can be right. equal. And then you two can have a podcast someday. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you try hard enough <laughs> in life, <laughs> really hard, you if you fail a- enough times, you two can have a podcast. But uh, no, it's- I always felt like that was true. And it's just so disheartening to know that all the while that was going on, that, that I was being told that there were so many people for whom that just wasn't ever a reality. Well, even so, I was just reading an article on on the uh, the educational benefit of the GI Bill, and the bill was basically written by this this extremely racist segregationist uh, congressperson from Mississippi, and mm, imagine that. And so, all the authority to decide who got to get money to go to which college was was all set up so that anybody could you know um, you know. Kind of the local authority could decide whether you got to go to you know to the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and the fact was that that African Americans were steered away from universities. They were mm-hmm. steered away from the historic black colleges, um, and they were like, "Well, we'll give you money, but you got to go to a technical school or something." I mean, it was like so. Even in this benefit that theoretically they could access, they were prevented from from accessing it in a way that maximized the opportunity. You know, so it's like. You know, everybody, I, I get this every once in a while. Why do we have to talk about that? Why do we have Because if we don't talk about it, we're not going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, if absolutely. we don't acknowledge, like, it didn't just happen. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. It, 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 it was. Yeah, there was a purpose it, behind it. It was, it was absolutely intentional. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was, you know, so, you know, if you came back from World War II and you were, you were a black soldier or black veteran and you were able to scrape some money together because you got a high interest contract for deed to buy a house or whatever then we came by 10 or 15 years later and put a freeway through your front yard and gave you pennies on the dollar right. for your property so it's like you know okay well geez i wonder why we have the yeah. the disparities that we have in this community yeah and why people would feel marginalized and left out and and not a full member of society like as far as 
the fixes, you know, we're, we're trying our best in our little companies that we're doing here to do what we can to help and, you know, but what do we know? But as far as the society goes, we got to get rid of all any of the vestiges of those things, those policies that put all of this in place and start making right. Well, and I think one of the things we have to do is we have to stop um, acting like it's somehow the fault of of the uh, you know African American you know mom up on the north side who is struggling, and and start realizing. Uh, the disparities exist because we we created them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we mm-hmm. intentionally created them. We prevented people from buying houses. We steered them out of edu- higher education. Um, we, you know, all of the New Deal programs that were you know spent on revitalizing communities took uh, you know integrated neighborhoods like the Rondo neighborhood in St. Paul, where my mom grew up, which was a very integrated neighborhood until the New Deal programs came along and they built new, shiny new places for, for white people to live and the GI Bill, you know, helped white people flee the cities um, and then left left the African-American families behind. And and so it's like, um, this wasn't, it was not an accident. No, and it, no, and right. it wasn't the fault, you know, mm-hmm. of the families that were struggling. It was, I always think of it as such a waste, too. Was, like there's so much talent out there that, mm-hmm. that we're not getting... Well, we're not able to tap into because we never gave them a fair chance. No, there, there was a, there's a great uh, documentary that was done by um, Twin Cities Public Television called Jim Crow of the North. And it starts off with a, a family. The guy was a professor at the University of Minnesota. And he bought a house on Franklin Avenue. And they drove him out of the neighborhood. Mm. And they drove him like, story. you don't belong here. Yeah. And, and so, and the point of the, you know, the, the story was that you know, his kids left Minnesota and these were professionals, you right. know, and mm-hmm. college educated and, and we thought, and the, you know, the question is just, what did we lose mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of that talent that, that should have been here in the Twin Cities, but left for other places? I mean, there's just a report that we're one of the worst places in the, in the country for African-American families. Um, and we don't think of ourselves that way because we go, oh, well, you know, we're not, we're not outright, you know, openly racist. Mm-hmm. We're just passively aggressively <laughs> racist. Classic <laughs> Minnesotans. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know? And so, you know, un- un- until we like intentionally and purposefully create programs that, that are kind of, that specifically undo the damage that was done for those, you know, nearly right. a century of policy, um, you know, then we're just, we're just fooling ourselves that we're going to solve these problems. Yeah, and just openly admit it and just say it's this is this is what happened. This is, you know, I yep. I get that it wasn't it wasn't any of us in this room that came up with that policy to do that, but it's still worth acknowledging that it's there, admit it, yeah, apologize we, for it and then try and make and acknowledge that we benefited. Yeah. We were the beneficiaries of those policies that and maybe that we have to give other up people suffered under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, well that's important stuff. Well, there you go. That's your that's there, your day job. That's your day job. Oh, so you do actually do things. <clears throat> yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Really, actually, really important things. Yeah. Important things. Yeah. Oh, darn things it. that oh, actually just matter. Housing yeah. for people. Right. <laughs> that thing. That just thing, yeah. You know, just basically. trying to make the community better. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to think that that someone who spent twelve years being mayor is like just sort of sloughing off now for a while but no you're out doing important things mm-hmm. still well i would if if i hadn't been in the public sector for most of my life i maybe i'd be retired now maybe i'd be right. guiding trips 
or doing podcasts or something. (laughs) (laughs) Putting out that bagpipe album or something. Yeah, yeah. That's on your list. The best of Angus. uh, Yes, that's right. The Angus Young and Angus Young's greatest hits. Scott, love it. You could you could do a whole ACDC cover bagpipe. You should. That's a great idea. I wonder if you could. Says no one ever. Well, you you know a few musicians. There's a recording studio over there. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I wonder if you could set yourself up with equipment like this because you see now how ragtag how anybody can do this right yeah so out in listener land like they're they're thinking we're sitting in some beautiful studio it is a beautiful studio but it's not a recording studio per se grain belt no i know but i wonder if you could set yourself up with equipment like this and be the only podcaster out there who's never listened to a podcast and and purposefully Mm -hmm. don't listen to anything that'd be sure yeah. yeah, you could be the anti-podcast podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Well, I don't know. I don't know. What well, it reminds me of the. I once saw a woman on on the street corner in New York who had a sign. If you want to give me money, fine, but I'm not going to beg for it. Oh. Anyway, um, did it, it got you to stop and read it? It did stop yeah. and read it, and then of course I passed her by and I felt like a terrible person. But ah, she got it's, you. it's like, well, you can listen to my podcast, but I'm not going to. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, right. That's what I do. I, I never. <laughs> you I, well, you're, I, you're here. Yeah, you actually, I don't, I don't you actually need, had lived and, through it. And man, I tell you, I listen to these two all the time, so I don't want to hear them. Anymore. You act like I am the one that does all the talking. Mm, well, I think this is. I just <laughs> grouped you in. I think it's a little jab. It's just bring Sam, Sam down. Sam. It is kind of. Oh, it was a jab. A jab. It's yeah. not jab. I know. I, of the group, I talk too much. He I, I hear this all the time. <laughs> and they're like the two older brothers I never had. So yeah, like, or want it? Or want? <laughs> yeah, never, never knew you, how this much you didn't want them. Unsolicited advice, and you know, yeah. Yeah, dating advice, dating and advice, life advice, life advice, life coach. How's of that life working coaching. for you? Oh. oh, really? I don't know if you want to get into that. <laughs> she needed. <laughs> she needed an older brother back at the time when I, you could sort of beat them up. You know, you could no, beat your little sister I, up a little bit. So sure. they. No, yeah, that's too, that's pretty much not allowed anymore. Yeah, yeah, it, no. it's, it's called child abuse. Well, no, well, no. Wait a minute, now. It's allowed as long as you're under 16 or so. So I have two boys and a and a little girl, and you know they kind of rough her up a little bit. To, to she holds her own. She holds her own. She does. But you can't. I need gonna, You can't get, retroactively. We're get comments on this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, you I, can't just, go back and do uh, it. Is there a disclaimer that I can kind of put? On this <laughs> yeah, there is. The opinions of Sam are not shared yeah. necessarily by, by the mayor. You're making oh. you're making the former mayor uncomfortable. Sam. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You know, we we progress beyond. You know, I'm, I think that it's a good thing when you're a little girl that you've got older I, brothers. I do needed that when I was younger. You needed it when you were I, young. You can't I retroactively. Still, I can't no, do I, it now. I need it now because <laughs> now I would I'm get all, in a lot of trouble. I'm all in favor of of girls punching their brothers' lights out. Yeah, but yeah. not the other way around. No, oh, no, no, no. no. Right. The, no. the boys. It's not so <clears throat> much the like. I'm not talking about actual physical violence. I'm talking about messing Harassment. with them. Yeah, you need to be, be like, messed with. Yeah. It's like the puppies nipping at each other. Yeah. Kind of, kind yeah. of keep you in line a little bit. Yeah. 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 I think growing yeah. up with sisters, it's I just... Still, I still disavow any knowledge of this. Yeah, yes. for sure. I <laughs> not mean, on board there's with no this, doubt about it. I'm, I'm with you. You're out? So, You're out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm not... No, well, no. I, I, think, I think watching is, siblings mess with each other... That's how they grow into stronger mm-hmm. individuals. I think this is a good thing. But the point I guess I was trying to make is growing up with sisters, I've turned out much differently than had I hmm. had a brother. And brothers. now you've had two older brothers thrust upon two. you. Yes. 
Yeah, and it's really, painful. It's a little painful. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's painful for Sarah because Sarah for does all the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that would have been something she would have learned. But this is true. Oh. Like, it, this is pretty much true for all guys. We like get all the credit, and then mm. the yeah. women do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you've um, got, let's just face it. I, I joke and I say I'm just the token female. Right. Right. Which means that you're doing all the work. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. No, yeah, the secrets out. If you'd yeah. have grown up with brothers, you'd know that that was the way it was. Yeah, know. <laughs> you know, then, then you do all the work. The parents come home, and, mm-hmm. and the brothers like, "Yeah, I did that, mom. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I helped. Like you, yeah, you I, folded one pair of socks, <laughs> jerk." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even figure out how the lip wrap was. <laughs> oh, I say this all in jest. Yeah, yeah. You guys are just fine. But all right, Chris. So you're working oh, yeah. all the time. Thanks, you're Jim. doing yeah, all. Thanks, Jim, for bringing this. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's just kind of get rid of that section <laughs> of, yes. of uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Well, what uh, do you do for fun? Yeah. Right oh, now? What's your the, what do you besides, do for fun? I mean, I feel like the first half well, you you actually did say that it's the bagpipes. The bagpipes. But no, actually, it's not right the pipes. Now. It's it's really more musically. It's the guitar. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I I I love um, playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. I I um, do a lot of biking. Now that the snow is just playing, I'll I'll do skiing. Are you you um, said cross country skier? Mm, yeah, I, I mean I do downhill, but I okay. but around here obviously. Oh. There's, are you a good cross country skier? Uh, <laughs> I, was I mean, can say, you stay are you upright? Good downhill, stay upright. Yeah, that's kind of the. I know, that's the goal. I can't. So really, <laughs> oh, it's little, not. Yeah. Well, it's a coordination uh, thing. Um, I started skate skiing a few years ago, and it is physically the hardest thing I've ever done oh, in my I life. Can imagine. It is like yeah. like nothing. Um, it and and the problem is um, the season is so short. By the time mm-hmm. you're in shape. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's raining. Okay, yeah. now the season's over. Did you? Um, you were classic before that. Yeah, not not some. You know, I I would go out every once in a while, but um, I you. You know, we have a cabin up in northwestern Wisconsin, so the Berkebiner Trail is yeah. up there, I was gonna say. and you and it's beautiful. It's like the veil of cross country skiing. Yeah, and um, you know, be trugging along, and these guys on skate skis would come by like they were in a Ferrari, and they would just yeah. blow past you. And I'm like, okay. I'm done. I'm done classic skiing. This is just, it's, it's looks too fun. It, that looks too much fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, was, and then it turned out to be so much work, but it is great. It's, it's, it's really very fun. good for you. Yeah, I was in cross country skiing and yeah. I think ninth and 10th grade or something. But then it was classic. No, I was, oh, it was, it was skate, you were skate skiing. Yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, the, so the motion is natural to me. So like, yeah. even when I'm downhill skiing, I skate all over the place, yeah. you know, what's the, I'm going to ask an embarrassing question. <laughs> no, go ahead. What's, What's the skiing? difference? Yeah. yeah. So, so classic skiing is yeah, your, your feet basically stay in a parallel line yep. with each other. Mm-hmm. And skate, you're, it's more like literally skating. You're pushing off to the side. Okay. Um, okay. In pulling. With shorter skis or? Uh, no. Low, they are a little shorter. Are they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you're, and the boot's stiffer. Um, so okay. you have more because you're pushing off more with your ankle and yeah. stuff. And so um, it's... Uh, um, it just it's like sure. ten times faster, and you, the, Way the faster. folks that really know how to do it, going uphill is almost as easy as going downhill, because yeah. it's all weight transfer. Sure. So that's like the number one yeah movement is just is just weight transfer, and that just propels you. Up. And these guys just fly up these hills. I'm yeah. Like, wow. That's what they do. I mean, in the Olympics, when you're watching, uh-huh. like right, what is it, the biathlon or? Yeah, and they've got the rifle, or, or just skiing, or skiing, yeah. or just skiing. Yeah, yeah. but they, that's they're always skating, so they're okay. it's that side right. to side. I don't know what kind I did. I just know I you probably tried did it, classic. And Are you? I, up, I was not good. Yeah, probably classic. Are you okay. up by cable? Is that uh, Spooner? Spooner. Yeah. Okay, my 
my friend uh, Matt Hedman, who he's doing something with the Lopit yeah. or whatever in town. He's kind mm-hmm. of, I think, CFO yep. of it or whatever yeah. right now. But yeah. He's up by cable because yeah, of the Berkey Trail. Because of the Berkey Trail. Yep. Yeah. Everyone loves it. So what do you think about Wisconsin? Um, <laughs> oh, says the Wisconsin. It's pretty much what I feel about Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad it's nearby. <laughs> but I like. Wow. You know, Zing. It's nice. You know. <laughs> it's it, it's got place. it's got its it's got its you know, charm. It's charm. <laughs> you know. I actually love Spooner. I love that. Uh, I love area. no. I love Wisconsin. I like Minneapolis. Do too. you think yeah. uh, it's for people who aren't from here? I think there's a difference between obviously Wisconsin and Minnesota. There is, mm. there yeah, is. Definitely. But to the outside world, they're like, aren't or, they the same? Yeah, like that. Minsconsin. Yeah, yeah, kind of. No, no there's there's a difference. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, it's um, I don't know if it what how you would attribute that if it's like different different folks from different parts of the world that settled I think there it's, or Wisconsin's more German, German more German, and yeah. we're yeah. more Scandinavian. <laughs> Scandinavian. Yep. So that's our our kind of quiet weird aloofness that mm-hmm. we have in this right. <laughs> yeah right and and the i'm Wisconsin's half and half of that less, so fewer brats and cheese you know. brats. yeah way more right. festivals just like towns getting together <laughs> you kids running wild parents drinking beer eating cheese you can drink with your parents in a bar yeah yeah in yeah. wisconsin yep. it's very Underage. yeah it's yeah. little germany over there. i don't think i ever it's did craziness. it but uh anyway you were you were your parents weren't there. You were just drinking oh, under it. <laughs> yeah, right. Sam has a way she, of bring, really. <laughs> she'd bring like a, a dummy and say, "Hi, Dad. Can I get you anything?" Set him up on a bar stool. And... I was drinking underage up north with my parents. Uh, I'm sure, sure you were. Yeah, but that was a long time. That's when. That's you when do you that. could do that. So we're getting back into uncomfortable territory. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Well, ah, we're good at that. We are good at that. <laughs> All right. Fair um, enough. Uh, funny. <laughs> we just shut Chris down. <laughs> you should see the look on his face. We always do we make people uncomfortable or we we always bring out something that no one's ever shared. Is do you have any like <laughs> story? You can't no. ask someone to share something know, they've never shared. You gotta, it needs to just you gotta come out. It needs it to just it's come a, out. It's a piece of thr- right. thread that no, you I just pull shared our secret, but that's you, you did. Okay. Oh you did. Oh, like anyone listens. What's the embarrassing thing do you think that's happened to you, Chris, when you were mayor, for instance? Oh, Oh. well. Hmm. I mean, you were opening up for Rod Stewart. You you nailed that. that I mean, so short jumped in your arms. Like, you know, you're kind of seasoned, you know? I don't know. Do I, have, I don't have, well, first of all, if I did, I wouldn't admit him. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, not acknowledge him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll tell you a funny story, which is, by way of name dropping like crazy mm-hmm. here. So oh, one yeah. of the things I got to do, I got to fly on Air Force One. Ooh. Um, so oh. do, 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 tell would, us about would that. all yes. mayors sort of get that or do it no, something special? No, I begged like crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want to ride on Air Force One. So I got like got to fly back from DC. Obama was coming into the Twin Cities and so I mean it's like no, that's kind you know, of a dream for, come true. Yeah. Well for you know like I was like this political nerd growing up and you know this was like literally the you know going into the oval office writing i mean it's like what part of the plane did you have access to everything i mean so the so the plane set up so the president's got his quarters sure. up front but and they like the cabinet room and and so and then there's a kind of a midsection um that has maybe seats for 10 or 12 people mm-hmm. and um so 
you know, you get to, it's really, it's, it's so it's like a podcast episode all of itself. Oh, so see, like, yeah. you, you know, like you can pick up the phone and call anybody you want and then, and then <laughs> you put the phone down <laughs> and the, and the, the, the person, the, the person at the switchboard calls whoever you're calling. So I like called my brother. Had you never uh, seen a phone? Is, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, oh, no, but no, but you, you pick up the right. phone and go, this is Air Force One calling for, uh, you know, but yeah, whatever. Uh, oh my cool. God. Right. So like I'm God. calling everybody like, this is Air Force One calling. So, <laughs> so <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> so, yeah, we're like, you, you know, we're, and like, literally, like, we're watching the USA Germany World Cup game with the president on Air Force One. It's like, this is the coolest thing ever. But anyways, the plane lands in the Twin Cities and, and uh, we taxi over to, to the gate or whatever. And um, Obama comes out and he's like, all right, let's go. And so the door opens up and, you, you know, that classic scene of the president coming out of Air Force One. And, you know, out of deference, I kind of wait a minute. And he, turn, he looks back at me and he goes, are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I didn't want to steal your thunder. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, there's no chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. Again. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had this really awkward picture of like Obama three steps down and me kind of poking my head out of the door instead of that great moment at the top of the. So that's like, wow. I guess that's kind of embarrassing. Um, what kind of snacks do they serve you on that? <laughs> Seriously, anything you want. Anything like like, like grilled cheese. I want a yeah. I'll a get beer. A, I'll take I want a, grilled, a glass of wine. I'll take grilled cheese. I'll take a you know. Do you, I, they have a menu? Yeah. It's, so they hand you this menu and sure. they say you know you can order anything. But if you don't see what you want, just tell us what you Did want. Did you order we'll like it. three, three entrees? <laughs> no. So they have, so they have, they have the presidential M and M's, which are oh. these small boxes, you know, about half the size of a cell phone. And I like just stole every one I could. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine he's got a checklist. Like, and do you have those M and M's like that? No, I gave him. So he was doing this rally, and there were like twenty kids that were part of a, oh. a program that I did that were at the rally, and so I gave them all to the kids. Oh. But then it was super hot, and they all melted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> M&Ms may not melt in your hand, but they do in the hot oh, sun. No. So oh, I can no. just see Obama in there, though. He's like, wait what a happened minute. To the, what uh, happened to the uh, M&Ms? <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing him like, all right, uh, There's Mayor a- Coleman, first time on Air Force One. So he's like, stock up on the M&Ms. Uh, so, yeah. Get Get tell him where the phone is, because you know people love that shit. He's on the phone. <laughs> He's just like every other kid that gets on yeah. here. He's, he's, play personally, he's personally taking inventory on Air Force right. One. He has nothing else to do. Uh, actually, I would be maybe the current president, not to talk politics. Oh. Oh. I wish he'd take stock of what's on Air Force One. Right, right. Mm. Oh, man. That guy. That's yeah. hilarious, though. So, you're, so your brother, does he get the call and it's like And they Air say, Force this is One. Air Force One. Yeah, this for... is Air Force One calling And, and for... do you just say... Hey, I'm on the plane. <laughs> Just, what the? Yeah, I'm sitting here watching, uh, talking uh, Syrian policy with the president and yeah. watching, watching a little uh, World, Cup, World Cup game. Having a grilled cheese. Guess what? Yeah. You'll never get to do. <laughs> See ya. <So> good. <laughs> but you know, if I, what I realized is that you kind of actually have to ask to do those things. You know, so oh, for sure. It's like okay, that's great. So yeah, if, if you don't ask, you never know what you get. No, you it's true. I got to fly. I got to fly an F-16. And, and I, like, literally, the, 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 the general, sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. Hey, can no, I, seriously, got to fly. I, like, I got to fly an ex- So, so was, the general general calls up and he goes, uh, "We're taking civilians up in uh, F-16s, um, and 
thought I'd call you first. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, why did you think to call me first? He goes, because you've been begging me to do this for five years. <laughs> like, well, I guess it paid off then. You've got an email on repeat. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I haven't sent a, I haven't dropped a, a request in for a while. <laughs> so was that scary? Uh, it was fun. It was so awesome. Both. Uh, it was like, and then at one point the guy goes, "All right, plane's yours. Take it." So I'm like, you know, oh back. man, it was like crazy. Holy smokes! Did you did yep. you end up in one of those spirals like on death on, spiral? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we I did um, Top Gun. We did like a eight G dive. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Uh, and it was. I mean, it's like you're starting to get the the vision clouding mm-hmm. thing yeah. on, on all that. And um, I threw up right after that. Mm. Th- yeah, that's what say. I'm wondering. Like, is there any prep? Had you ever been in? No, they spent like three hours telling you what to do and how okay. to eject if you have to eject. And oh, you, right. so you're in, and the suit's got this thing that inflates as you, as the G force goes up. Mm. So it kind of tries to keep the pressure in your, you know, the blood to your head and, uh-huh. and all that stuff. And then they give you a little bag in case you got to throw up. And um, as I'm walking across the, um, this congressman that was flying in the other plane, hands me this this big hefty bag thing, and I go, oh, "No, I already got one." He goes, "Yeah, that little bag they gave you is not going to do any good when you're throwing up through your nose." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. So that- the, actually, the the last <laughs> lesson they taught you though was like the the pilots like uh, you know. Um, you know, if you if you do have to throw up, if you could do me a favor and reach over and turn off your microphone, so I don't have to listen to oh, it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's so got to be like able a pilot. Do all that? Turn off your microphone, and then you need. Yeah, to you you got to clear it. Like you have to clear your face mask off and uh-huh. do that stuff. And so I'm like, I'm going offline for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> be back. That's got to be like a pilot's worst day when the general's like, "You got to listen." It's puke day. Because everyone has to. I mean, I would think majority would, of people would. I was, yeah. I mean, it, it's like the biggest, you know, roller coaster, ride, roller coaster yeah. inverted thing, you know, like, yeah, so it was, it was super cool. Well, if, if, and there's plenty, plenty of reasons why I'll never be mayor, but if for no other reason, I can't go on planes. So I guess I can't do that job. Can't that, go on planes. That, that, well, yeah. not like that. That'll make oh. me sick. I can't do rides like. No, that. you wouldn't have. That's like totally a. I, that's it's not a requirement. That is an optional. <laughs> like you op- said, you actually were opt all. To, I guess I'm uh, back yes. in. Yeah. You're in. You're in. Go for it. Right. He's not. No. no. <laughs> yeah. that, remember, they do check. Right. Right. Um, oh well. Oh, well. <laughs> what do What do we do here? All right. So, do you have any live? Shows coming up with the bagpipes or no? I, no? I played at a funeral last week. That oh. was kind of my, okay. you know, that's what you kind of that's what you do. Okay, awesome. and, and do no you, live shows? No live up. shows coming up. Okay. No. Uh, you mentioned unless the, unless the new standards need fill, in which case you know hmm. you never know. Yeah, they they probably need some help. So <laughs> we'll find out when we get our yeah. free tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming for you, Chan. Uh, right. <laughs> go run away. This is why we set up the podcast. No, right. You know, you always go get free things. Yeah, everybody goes to Chan. Go to Munson. Yeah, Munson. Oh. Munson on the again? same list that Craig Finn and uh, the others who won't return my my calls. Munson won't return your call. I, I don't actually call anyone because oh. no one calls anyone, but I've right. sent a few emails, mm-hmm. but I imagine they're going to... We like, can work some back channels on that. 
We'll get Munson. Uh, work with Steve then. <laughs> Munson is the guy. Munson. <laughs> no, it's kind of, you know, when you think about, you start dropping those things, it's like, but you know, you've had Chris Osgood. Yeah. And you think, you know, Chris is the godfather of the music yeah. scene. Such a nice guy, too. Uh, awesome God. guy. Absolute top quality. But, you know, it's like uh, Dave Perner. Yeah, you know, I taught Dave Perner how to play guitar. Oh, Craig Finn. Yeah, I taught Craig Finn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but did he tell you the story of Bob Mould? Like, no, he's probably got so many stories. Well, but so like the the funny thing, and that and I tell this kind of my own version of Chris Chris's story. But right. like, you know, Mold comes to him for lessons, and he's like, after about four lessons, he's like, yeah, pretty much, there's nothing I can teach you. <laughs> Mold was so great, wow. and he's like, uh, why did you come to me? And Mold's like, I just really needed to meet you. Oh, so took, yeah, yeah. Because Chris was uh, Chris is legendary. He, he is. is. Yeah, that. That I mean, he's such a good dude too. So. so when you were, I mean, did you listen to Suicide Commandos? So I was. Uh, my band was the Burbs. The suburbs were like we'd yeah. go out mm-hmm. and hear the Burbs. So you know, I I kind of was. Uh, it's weird. So I I knew the I knew the Commandos and heard them a few times. And the replacements and the Wallets were kind of big back then. Yeah. And the weird group that I I don't know why I never listened to him because I was a huge music guy. Uh, never heard the replacements. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Until like they did a show at Midway about six years ago. It's the only time right. I ever saw mm-hmm. the replacements. Okay. And I thought, it's just kind of, how did I miss this? Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, but there's just so much good music out there. Oh, there is. I forget that Laserbeak, uh, who's also been on the show, but he lists Craig Finn as a real, as a big influence for him. Wasn't he on a right. plane with him or something? He told us a story uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, I believe so. I can't yeah, as a kid exactly, and kind of yeah. Craig Finn. I, I love Craig Finn. Yeah. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Fun stuff. Well, is there anything you'd like to uh, you'd like to promote? Any causes, any things you want to get out there? We ask this of people. I don't know when do you broadcast this thing. Uh, within the next week or so. We can we can yeah. alter it if you need well, to get it out mayor, soon. Well, you're the mayor, so you tell us. Give yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only a former mayor. <laughs> uh, we got Give to the Max Day coming up, so we hope you take advantage of, uh, you know. Give to the Max. Give to the Max. And, and if you gave to Habitat for Humanity, you know, just to put that a plug in. A- Twin Cities. And make sure it's Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, otherwise, it goes elsewhere. Otherwise, it goes elsewhere. Okay. Because there's a lot of different versions of habitats. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, I got no profound wisdom or anything. It just... Um, there's a lot of good stuff happening in this community. And mm-hmm. There it was, really is. It was uh, fun to be a part of it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's your legacy. Well, it sounds like you're still yeah. a part of it. Yeah. You are. You are. It, so. yeah. You just don't get to go on fancy planes anymore. No. That's no. The, that part Dang. they took that's away from That's hard to top, you know, Air Force One. I know. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, it's, that's it's, pretty It's got a one in its name. That's so, it. I mean, <laughs> 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 you can't top that. No. You know? But you can get some free tickets now. Uh, may, maybe. <laughs> if somebody would offer, but they don't. So right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're working on, on the list, list, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I suspect I'm down the way as. <laughs> well, now that you're former mayor. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you very thank you much. Thank you for coming in. Thank, thank you, Chris. It's been fun. Yes. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.